Good morning, church. My name is Brad. If you're new to us, I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Community Church. And I am so excited to be here together because when we come together like this, listen, God's presence is everywhere. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. But when we come together like this, there's like a special invitation, right? There's like a special opportunity. Scripture says wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them, Jesus said. And how many of you know, we've got a few more than two in this place, and I'm so glad to be looking at your beautiful smiling faces, or if you don't like to be called beautiful, your masculine, handsome face, bearded faces out there I see. Man, it's going to be a great day today. I'm just so convinced that God has some major, major, major good gifts he wants to give out. And uh, I'm not picturing Santa Claus this morning, but I'm certainly picturing Jesus with a whole treasury of things he wants to give to us. And it's going to come when we worship, it's going to come when we lift them up, it's going to come in the preaching of God's word in just a few minutes. I do have a little bit of business to attend to, if you would just bear with me, um, because among all of the things we have going on here, we do have uh, constitutional things that we need to accomplish here. So I want to read this verbatim from our bulletin, if you got one this morning. It says, Christ Community Church annual progress meeting will be held on Sunday, March 8th, which is next Sunday at 12 p.m. or, you know, whenever we start after the service ends. The agenda items are annual election of the clerk of the corporation, Scott Coeli. Did I get that right? No? Scott, are you here? Sorry about that. <laughs> Re-election of trustee Greg Pellegrino, vision casting from Pastor Brad, whoever that is. So, um, Okay, uh, one more small item of business. Um, you know, maybe you'll enjoy this, maybe you won't. But I'd like to welcome back Pastor Mark and Diane Dupre. <laughs> Fresh off their probation. I mean, uh, their, their, their time away. No, I'm just believing Pastor Mark, you guys enjoyed having a few Sundays off. Uh, but I had lunch with Mark a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he basically is chomping at the bit to get back here, is the impression I got. He said, it, said they couldn't wait to be back home, back with family. So make sure you give him a hug while they're here. In case you have no idea who Pastor Mark is, um, he's just this crazy guy who really loves movies. He goes to our church. That, <laughs> is that basically all you want him to know? Past, pastor Mark recently retired after many, many faithful years of being the, the associate pastor here at Christ Community Church. But his heart has not left us. And uh, we're glad your body's here, too. And uh, All right. I'm ready to preach. We can go ahead with our uh, slides this morning. Um, I have a really special message for you this morning, and I'm calling it Vision Sunday, um, basically because I feel like enough business has been happening uh, between God and, and myself, between God and the leadership of this church, and the way that God has suddenly, surprisingly shown up and been doing something very cool. I don't know, can anyone else just kind of feel that? The atmosphere is a little bit electric. There's something going on that's bigger than us. Yeah? Yeah, it's okay to clap for that. That God is showing up in really fantastic ways in this new season of our church. I want to uh, share some things with you this morning. We are growing suddenly and steadily. We've had up near 250 just adults, not including kids, in our services for many weeks of this year already. In case you're doing the math here, we're only in March. It's been two months of our attendance being way, way up. In fact, even right now, I can look around the room and guess that we're at about 90% capacity. We've got a few empty seats, a, a few seats ready for some new people who aren't here yet, which gets me so excited. 
Uh, but then we've got a whole lot of, what's, what's the old saying? There's a, there's a butt for every seat, something like that. I don't know if that has anything to do with what I'm saying. But a whole lot of great people here seeking God and excited about what God's doing. And if you're new here, it's so fantastic. You are the reason why we do this. We are here gathering every Sunday because we're convinced that there are more and more people not here yet that need to hear the life-changing transformation truth of Jesus, that gospel, and, and experiencing, not just hearing about it, but experiencing and encountering that Jesus, his presence and his power that we've been singing about this morning. Um, but uh, here's something you need to know, that all the experts on church growth, whether or not you care what they think, they say when a new person walks into a church and the capacity is full anywhere above 75%, that a new person will walk in, look at the room and say, there's not space for me. There's not room for me. And, and I hope that grieves your heart the way it grieves my heart when, when you think about, man, the thought that someone would come here hungry, looking for God, and walk in the room and think, I don't think there's a spot for me. I don't think there's a place for me. That is not what we want people to think, amen? We want people to, to think, and I want you to hear me right now, that if you're here and you felt like, is there a place for me? I don't know anybody yet. There is a place for you. This story is all about God wanting to do something amazing in your life. And so if you're here today and you've got a pulse, just no, don't check your neighbor, but if you've got a pulse and you're breathing and you're here, whatever age, whatever ethnicity, whatever background, God's got an amazing plan for your life and a destiny for you. And he wants to bring breakthrough that we were talking about this morning. He wants to move mountains on your behalf. He wants to change family dynamics and history. He wants to change patterns in your life that you don't think you can ever overcome. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. But I get the sense that it's time for us to increase our faith and engage our faith with what God's doing. And that's what I want to share with you today. And so you've stepped into an atmosphere of faith and risk, right? Any risk takers out there? Anybody like to just, you know, you're playing cards and you just go all in on the first hand and it's just like this again, you know? I like taking risks because I like to see God do something bigger than what I could do in my own strength. Anybody want to see God do something you couldn't do on your own? Anybody want to see God do something that you can't explain any other way than just God is here and he's doing it? Anybody sick of just seeing, just producing in your life what you can do in your own strength and being disappointed and feeling like there's more? I don't know if you can tell more is a theme today. More is a theme and God has more for you, more than you ever dreamed of, imagined, or thought of. God's been speaking to our leadership. I want to start with this. In Hebrews 11, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. And the, the reverse is also true. Faith is so very pleasing to God. Faith. The, the ability to say, I don't know, I, I, I don't see all the, the building materials I'd like to see right in front of me, but if God spoke it, he's going to do it. It's, it's the same kind of faith that Noah had when he said, well, God spoke to me kind of a crazy vision that it's going to rain for 40 days and nights and I need to build a boat. Well, it's sunny today, but I'm going to choose to believe and have faith that God spoke it and he's going to do it. It's the same kind of faith Abraham and Sarah had when the angel came and visited them and said, I know you're older, more mature, more seasoned, well-experienced. But God's got a promise for you that you are going to have a son, and it's a son of great promise. 
the Bible says that Adam believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And over and over and over in Scripture, we see these crazy knucklehead people that God would come and speak to and, and give them something that didn't seem, seem possible. But as we've been seeing this morning, we serve, we believe in, and we're here to encounter the God of the impossible. And so we're believing for the impossible, and we've got faith. It's impossible to please faith without God. But anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And we've been seeking him, haven't we, church? We started the year with a series called One Thing because I wanted us to together unite our hearts on this idea that Jesus needs nothing else to blow us away. And we need nothing else but Jesus to show up and blow us away. And so we were seeking God in January. We even had a church fast where we went without some food or technology or different comforts in our lives so that we could be that much more spiritually sensitive to God moving. And in that time, I really felt like God spoke to my heart and, and brought this word back to the surface that has been here ever since my wife and I moved here in May to eventually become the senior pastor here. And I bet you'd love to know what that word is, right? Should I keep them on the edge of their seat a little longer, Elijah? No, I should probably just tell them and resolve it. The word is double. The word is double. I was expecting a little something, Elijah. The word is double. Double your pleasure, double your fun. The word is double, and I wonder if that word double excites in you the kind of faith and excitement that it excites in me. Because I feel like God put this word in my heart, put a special emphasis all the way back in May when we first moved here. I was walking to work when we were just living up the road here for a few months. And I was praying and saying, God, do double. I had no idea what it meant. But I was saying, God, you spoke to my heart double. And I want to believe for it. And I want to have faith for it. And I don't want to have to receive all the practical next steps before I start to begin to believe and say, God, if you spoke it, you'll do it. And in those months since then, and particularly at the beginning of this year, I feel like God has given clarity to that, and I want to share that with you this morning so that you can engage your faith. If God's going to do double here, he's going to do it through all of us. Amen? Thank you for that. One round of applause. I love it. Somebody in this place has got faith. 2 Kings 2.9 talks about double, and I feel like this is a particular passage of, of Scripture that God highlighted for me. It's when Elijah, the prophet in Israel, this is the same guy who called down fire on the altar, the same guy who said, it's not going to rain until I say it will. And, and it was, there was an incredible drought. And then he said, look, I see a, a, a cloud in the distance as small as a man's fist. Quick, it's getting ready to rain. And all these crazy cool miracles. If you needed a word from God, you went to Elijah. If you wanted to see a miracle, you went to be around Elijah. He was the dude. The dude. But in 2 Kings, God speaks to Elijah and says, it's time for you to go and anoint the next prophet in Israel. And just to confuse us all, his name is Elisha. Instead of the J, it's an S-H. And so Elijah goes, and we're going to talk in a second about how they get together. But on, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, Elijah is about to be taken up in a fiery chariot, which is the coolest way to die. That's how I want to go, too. <laughs> And a burning ball of fire. Um, Elijah says, I'm about to be taken up. He says to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. 
And Elisha said to him, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Come on, get excited about doubling in the house of God this morning. As many of you know, because I know there's lots of Bible scholars in here, um, Scripture records exactly twice as many miracles. Elijah performed 14 miracles. I'd love to perform just 14 miracles, right? I'd love to see just 14 in my lifetime. But Elisha recorded 28 miracles, twice as many double. When God does a thing, he does a thing, right? <laughs> he doesn't mess around. He doesn't half do it. What? He doesn't half do it. He whole does it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. When God does a thing, he does a thing. And God's doing a thing here. And I believe God's going to do a thing that's just as impressive as us looking back and going, wow, there's literally twice as many miracles that Elisha asked for. So double, double. A lot of you are practical. A lot of you are, your gears are turning. You're going, well, what in the world does that mean? We can't get twice as many people in this room right now, right? Before we get to the practical, I really want to stir up your heart to see that whatever God says, he will do. To stir up your heart to see that whatever God speaks, we can believe, we can take it to the bank We can stand on it firm and confident. So how will we prepare for double? What does the Bible tell us about double, about increase, about more? We've been talking about more this morning. What does the Bible teach us? I want to walk through this with you and go a little bit earlier in this story between Elijah and Elisha. And uh, I want to look at 1 Kings 19. You can start to turn there if you brought your, uh, brought your Bibles with you. Whew, it's hard talking. 1 Kings chapter 19. You can hear all the digital pages turning on your phones right now. 1 Kings 19. How will we prepare for double? I, I believe that one of the things we do to prepare for double is burn the plow. Burn the plow. What in the world does that mean? Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. In 1 Kings 19, starting in, sorry, chapter 19, starting in verse 19, it says that Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. And Elijah, <laughs> keeping track, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Why are prophets always doing weird stuff like this? Just like walking away, right? It says that Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. Think about the gravity of it. Think about the weight of it. Think about what it's going to cost you. Think about what it's going to take for you to walk in my shoes and my footsteps. Think about what it's going to take. Because when Elijah threw his coat over him, it was symbolic of I'm throwing my mantle on you. The mantle that I've carried as prophet, you, you will carry it soon. The anointing that I've carried as prophet, you will carry it soon. But think about it. Think about what it's going to take. Think about the sacrifice. Think about the cost. Do you think that it's worth it? And Elijah goes, yeah, sure, and runs back home, returned to his oxen and slaughtered them, used the wood from the plow. Now you're getting it, right? Burn the plow. 
to build a fire and roast their flesh. I don't like that word. Flesh is a gross word. But it's there, and I'm just, I'm reading it. And he passed it around, all the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate, and they went with Elijah as his assistant. And then he went with Elijah as his, as his assistant. See, in order for Elisha to become a miracle-working, battle-winning, double-portion kind of prophet, he first had to completely leave behind what he had been doing. Well, this is going to get good. This is going to get real good today. This is going to get real good because we're not just talking about church, are we? We're not just talking about future plans. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about the things we need to burn up and leave behind in order to step into the more that God has for us. Oh, it's going to get so good. It's going to get so good, church. See, in order to step into the more God has for you, you have got to be willing to leave before behind. In order to step into the more God has for you, you've got to be willing to leave before behind. Just turn to your neighbor and say, leave before behind. Leave before behind. Leave before behind. Leave before behind. See, some of us are so stuck in before. That's what worked before. That's what got me through before. That's how I did it before. That's how we used to do it and talk about it and experience it before. And God's saying, why are you so hung up on before when I've got more? This is good preaching this morning, right, Sarah? See, Elisha chose to burn it so he could never return to it. How many of you know, he wasn't like, yo, Fred, come over here. I've got this new job opportunity that I'm going to go after, but could you just look after my oxen, feed them, you know, my, take my plow and just oil up the chains a little bit. Don't let them get rusty. Keep it in working order because if this whole thing with Elijah doesn't work out, I'm going to come back here and kind of pick up where I left off. What kind of faith would that take? What kind of faith would that take to say, I'll leave this intact ready and I'll just, I'll take a little step out, but just in case it doesn't work out, I'm ready to come back. No. Elisha's faith was such that he said, I'm all in. Let's chop this thing up right now and cut these animals into pieces. They're flesh. Have a cookout. Listen, this was more than a cookout. This was more than a feast. This was more than a meal. This was a sacrifice, an offering of worship to God. Saying, God, I'm willing to leave before behind so I can step into more. I'm willing to leave what I have been doing behind so I can step into all the new things you have for me, Jesus. And my word to you this morning is, are there any people in this place whose hearts have faith enough at least to say that, God, if you've got double, I'm willing to leave single behind? All the single people in here said, hallelujah, amen. I'm ready to double. I'm ready to double. <laughs> I'm ready to leave single behind. No, that's not my message this morning. <laughs> Easy, easy, tiger. Are you willing to take what used to be good enough and burn it so that you can't return to it? So all you've got is what's before you to move into a season of stuff you've never seen before. Listen, anybody want to see something different happen in their lives? You know, to get something different, you've got to try something different. To get something new, you've got to be willing to let go of the old. That's what I'm inviting you into, church, this morning. What will it take for you to step into more? I want to talk to you personally a little bit. What will it take for you 
an individual, your, your, just put your hand on your heart right now. What will it take me? What will it take for me to step into the more God has for me? Will it take untethering yourself from that unhealthy relationship? Will it take letting go of that substance you used to depend on to get you through? Listen, some of you are going to have to stop burning it to get, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't go there, I shouldn't go there. What about those emotional coping mechanisms that you have to make sure you never get hurt again the way you got hurt before? And so you've got all these walls up and you're like, well, I know I'm not experiencing the depth of connection and relationship that I could be, but at least I'm not vulnerable to get hurt again. What do you need to let go to step into more? What do you need to let go of that before it worked for you, but it's keeping you held back from more? What about the okay results we've had as a church? Listen, God's done some amazing things here at this church. This word is not dishonoring the days that we have experienced, the foundation, the legacy, the miracles that have been done here. But how many of you know there's a miracle God wants to do in our day that could be our story together? That if we don't let go of before, we'll miss the more. know God's speaking to someone right now. And we're going to do this as a church. We're going to do it together. And yes, it's going to be scary. It's not going to be easy all the time. But I want to tell you a little bit about how we've burned the plow already on a few teams. Can I brag on a few great people in our church this morning? There are things in this new season that we will put on the altar and burn so that we can launch into a season of double. And some ways we've already done that, I want to communicate with you just a few quick things. I want to talk about safety in our church, and, and I'm so proud and grateful for Greg Pellegrino and Rich Kenyon. Can you put your hands together for these guys who lead our safety team? They're, they're leading the way when it comes to all the behind-the-scenes things that you maybe take for granted, uh, because crazy stuff happens in our day, right? And, and, if you, and if you've been here a while and you've enjoyed the, the comfort of, yeah, but we just, we know everybody, and... You know, if there was ever an issue, I'd just go talk to Joe and, you know, we'd handle it. But now we're in a new day where God's doing a new thing. And there's lots of new faces. And it's fantastic. And we have to, as a church, make sure that we don't treat what was good enough before as good enough for now. And when new families come in with new kids that have never been here before, how many of you know we want them to feel like it is completely safe and secure and there is no stone unturned? that we have not gone after to make sure they feel that way. And so we've got some new stuff going on, right? Now you check in your kids with a sticker at the computer instead of the old way we used to do it. Now when you go downstairs, you've got to have that sticker with you when you check them in. And, and now when you go to pick them up, if you don't have that sticker, sorry, you can't have your kid back. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke. And I know some of you are like, I know, that's annoying when I come... And we know your face, and we know your name, and we know that kid belongs to you. But we also know we're coming into a day where we're going to have lots and lots of faces we don't know. And lots and lots of kids we don't know. And we've got to make sure that we are intentional about keeping them safe and giving them back to the right people. And some of y'all are just messing around sometimes downstairs because you don't like the sermons, or the worship's too loud, and you're just, you know, down there playing foosball in the summit room. A day is coming, and it's already here. 
where our security people and our biggest, baddest, most muscular guys and gals are going to be down there. And when you show up, and if you don't have a volunteer lanyard that we're starting to to use in the coming weeks and months, you're going to see those. Or if you don't have a parent sticker, you're going to get bounced. I'm not kidding. Because we want to keep our kids safe, and we don't want them at risk for any messing around. And so we're not treating what used to be okay as good enough for the more God's bringing us into. Thank you, Rich and Greg, for the way you guys are going after this. They're hosting a safety training with this really crazy ex-cop guy who does trainings with churches. And it's, it's awesome. We're stepping into more. More. We've got something new happening in worship. Can I brag on Adam and Mary? Yes. Something new is going on in worship. I know you feel it, sense it. Uh, I've had this sense, the way I've been uh, communicating it and, and sharing it with people is, is we're, we've gotten pretty comfortable in first and second gear. But how many of you know there's a third gear, a fourth gear, a fifth gear, even a sixth gear? It wouldn't make sense for me to include reverse in this illustration, so just sixth gear, right? That different gears, different levels God wants to bring us to, and we want to believe for that. And so we're raising our standard on worship team. And Adam and Mary have prayed. In fact, they came to me at the beginning of the year. They said, we f- really feel like we need to do something radical. We need to do something drastic to really prepare for what God wants to do. And they came to me willing to burn the plow of what used to be good enough so we could step into more. And that isn't always easy to do that. And I know there, there are people in this room that Adam and Mary spoke to and he said, listen, we love you so much and you're such a valuable part of our church. We, we're not going to stop loving you. But we're going to ask you to step off worship team for a little bit. Because we need to respond to what the Lord's doing. And, and we feel like things have shifted a little bit. And so we're mixing up the teams. And, and in the coming weeks, it's going to look pretty different. In fact, we're pulling this guy out of retirement next week. There's one person who knows what I'm about to say. who's <laughs> laughing already. But your pastor's going to be up leading worship next week. Now, no, no, no. Don't cheer for that. Don't. Because it's not about me. I'm just going to be up here because we want to keep going after more. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help us shift things and renegotiate things and shuffle our teams. And I'm so proud and happy of the way that Adam and Mary have prayed about this, done it sincerely, genuinely, and with love, really pastoring our teams through this and calling us all to more. Can we give God glory for what he's going to do in our midst on Sundays? I want to brag about Glenn and Amanda Schultes, who uh, had been leading women's ministry here at the church. And I want to just give you a little behind the scenes of a conversation we had at the end of last year. Um, every time their names came up connected with women's ministry, there was just some, I don't know, in the South we say it was, it was something stuck in my craw. You guys get that? You understand what I'm saying? Something about it, I don't know. And, and I really didn't have an answer for them when I said, hey guys, it, I think it's just time for us to talk about this. And we got together and I said, every time, I just, I think there's something about you guys, something about timing. I don't know what it is. God wants to shift something, change something. What do you think? And Glenn opened up and shared with me. He said, you know, before this meeting we were praying and we felt like God spoke to us and said, whatever Pastor Brad speaks to you, he's going to ask you to lay something down and you're to do it. You're to follow it. How many of you know they came with a heart of faith to burn the plow? And to say, we have been doing this, and they were doing it really well. <laughs> they were really excelling and, and growing in it and doing awesome events, weren't they? And they were willing to say, but that was before. We want more. 
we want the more God has for us. And they were willing to burn the plows. Now, before you get all out of whack and think Pastor Brad hates women's ministry and doesn't want women to have fun in this church, that is not true. That is just not true. I really believe it's about timing and about this couple, what the change was about. And I, I really believe and I'm convinced that God has a really amazing new place to put them in leadership and, and what God wants to do here. And so if you've got a great idea for a great women's event, let's do it. We just needed to shift them to something new. And we're praying about that and we're talking about that right now. But they were willing to burn the plow and they didn't hold on to a thing that was theirs that they were owning and leading. They came with open hands to say, if God has more, we want more. We want more and we're willing to let go of what we have been doing. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that bless you to hear that kind of story in our church? People willing to sacrifice and give up what had been working good to step into greater. Kids ministry is another area we're going to do this. Because we have a prophetic word over our house that our kids ministry isn't just going to be a place where we entertain and babysit kids. It's going to be a place where the spirit of God pours out powerfully, where they respond to mature ministry, where there is an atmosphere down there just as strong, if not stronger than what we're hosting up here, that when our kids begin to worship, they're not going to be tethered or hindered by the things that keep us held back. That our kids are meant to experience the power and presence of God. When they come here and go to their classrooms, it's more than just class. It's more than crafts. It's more than those things. And those are all good things. We're still going to play and, and you're still going to hear them shouting from <laughs> downstairs like we do already. But we're believing for more. And so we're looking at what has been good. And we're saying that was so great. But how can we let go of that to step into more? And I'm so proud of the way that Greta and Marnie and Diane are, are willing to step out into more and take risks and say, let's try this, let's experiment with some things and figure it out on the, on the fly as we go. We're going to find more, and it has to do with our kids too. I have young kids in the kids' ministry downstairs, and I cannot really put into words how excited I am to think about them encountering God the way that I want to encounter God up here. Don't worry, it's not going to get weird. It's not anything that you need to be afraid of or frightened of with your kid. But I really believe that if you have a child that goes into kids ministry here, that a time is going to come this year in 2020 where your kid comes home and goes, Mom, today I heard God's voice for the first time. Yeah. I believe we're going to have baptisms of children, full services just to baptize kids who are pumped and connecting with Jesus in their own way. Here's what I want to say. We are having full alignment in the things that we do, or we don't need it. If it doesn't fully align with what God's speaking to us and doing here in this place, we don't need it. And it goes on the altar. In fact, even if we love it, it goes on the altar. Because God deserves all of it. God deserves it as a reasonable act of sacrifice and worship and offering unto Him. And often it's the very things that we treasure and love most that God will say, are you willing to put that on the altar so that I can give you more? And so I'm inviting you right now. In fact, right now in this moment, can we just open our hands right in front of us? I'm not going to ask you to do anything strange other than that. Just open your hands right now and just close your eyes and just say, God, I am willing to let go of what used to be so I can step into more. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put it on the altar if God that's what it takes for me to step into a new season to see more than I ever imagined or thought of. Amen.
Pastor Stephen Furtick at Elevation Church, in his book, Greater, he said this about this story with Elisha. He said, your plow is what changed you to the ordinary. You can't step into your new life until you first set fire to what is tethering you to your old life. And listen, can I just get real personal for you this morning? There are some people here, don't get me wrong, don't, don't misunderstand me, that this, all of this is just about a church and, and organizational decisions we're going to be making. No, don't get me wrong this morning. This message is for you, that there is something that someone in this place, you came in with your old life and what used to be before, and God is saying, if you give that to me, I'll give you so much more. I'll give you so much more. Your old life was, I, as the kids say. And I don't know, maybe all right is good enough for you. Maybe okay is good enough for you. But man, could you stay satisfied with just okay if you knew the truth that God has much, much more? If you knew the truth that Jesus was calling you not to good but to greater? Could you stay satisfied with okay? I believe Jesus has much, much more for some people in this place. God is not calling us to good but to greater. And I believe that in 2020, greater for us looks like double. Looks like double. Okay, so point number one, burn the plow. Point number two, don't be afraid to ask because Christians are so goofy. And I know that some of you won't even order your Starbucks without a sign from heaven. You're like, God, what drink should I have today? Because the calories and the caffeine, I don't know. I need a sign. Some of you are like, should I, should I read this book of the Bible or that book of the Bible? And God's just delighting in your goofiness. I know some of you out there, you're just like, you've got a major decision in your life, or even just a minor one, and you're like, you know what, Moses had this burning bush experience. God, if you could just light a bush up and speak to me to it and make it really obvious, you know what, in fact, if you could just light the neighbor's dog on fire because it keeps <laughs> dumping in my front yard, and if you did that, it'd be like two birds with one stone. Sorry, that got a little personal all of a sudden. Fifi comes across my yard again. <laughs> there is no Fifi. I'm just kidding. But that other dog for real though, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that other dog for real. Uh. Listen, you're not the first generation of people to say, God, give me a sign. <laughs> In fact, all throughout the New Testament, the, the religious leaders would come to Jesus and say, all right, the miracles are cool. Are you the one? Show us a sign. And Jesus said, nah, no sign I'm going to give you except the sign of Jonah, he said, representative of how Jonah spent three days and nights in the belly of a whale in the same way the Son of God spent three days and nights in the belly of the earth in a tomb and would be raised again, resurrected on the third day. But then even John the Baptist, the very one who stood and said, this is him, this is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world, even he later and John, and sorry, Matthew 11, wrote to Jesus via messenger and said, yo, are you? <laughs> I mean, my reputation's on the line here too, Jesus. I declared you're the one, but now I'm hearing all the, the crazy things about what you're saying and what you're doing, and you're ruffling all these feathers. Are you the one? And Jesus said, 
Go back to John right now and tell him this. The blind see, the lame walk, those, excuse me, with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Go and tell John that and see what he thinks about that evidence. You tell me. Are you waiting for someone else? Has anyone else done that in your midst? And I'm asking you this morning, do you need any more evidence? We are full almost to capacity because of people being excited. Aren't you excited about what God's doing in this place every weekend? And so let me give you the evidence. We've had over 80% capacity almost this entire year every Sunday. We, are at, we were at 87% our seating capacity two weeks ago. We've had four baptisms, eight salvations at least, because we don't always get to count every hand that goes up. People with testimonies every single weekend saying, I came in with this and I left with that. I came in with what was before and I left with more. Come on, give glory to God for what he's doing in our midst. So do I need to convince you? Do you need a sign any more than what's happening already? I'll tell you, the elders don't. When we met two weeks ago and I, I presented some of this stuff, I said, I really feel like this is the time. This is what God's doing. I, I mean, I kind of joked. I said, I could have asked for like my own pastoral Ferrari that day. And they would have like, there was so much excitement and faith in the room. What God's doing, we're all in. Yeah. There is a unified leadership in this church saying, God has more for us. So don't ask for a sign for more when more is already here. <laughs> Don't ask for a sign that more is possible when more is already here. John 14 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works. This is the words of Jesus himself. Do the same works I have done and even what? Greater. <laughs> even double. No, sorry, I didn't mean to set you up the wrong way. Same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to do what the Father Jesus said. You can what? Ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of God can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus, do double. Jesus, do double. Jesus, do double. Do more. Jesus, we want more. See, a double portion in the Old Testament was really cool. It was the normal expectation of the oldest son for his inheritance. So when Elijah asked Eli sorry, when Elisha asked Elijah for double, he wasn't being rude. He wasn't saying, Elijah, what you did was all right, but I really think I could do more. That's not what he was asking. What he was saying was, when I burned the plow and left my my physical father and mother, I gave up my earthly double portion to follow you. To become my spiritual father, Elijah. And I'm asking from you the natural, confident thing that a child asks for. A double portion. My inheritance as your spiritual son. My inheritance is as a spiritual son. So when Galatians 3 tells you and me that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Or when Romans 8.14 says all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Listen to me. When Galatians 4, 7 says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You have an inheritance. And I believe that part of our inheritance is coming this year 
2020 that God's going to open up double portions for us. So you're not annoying God by saying, God, do more. You're not annoying God by saying, before was good, but I've been called to greater. You're not annoying God by saying, Jesus, do double in 2020. You are finally acting like a confident child of his. Mm. When you get ready to ask for double in faith, when you get ready to say, God, give me a double portion, and when you stand in a place of faith that says, God, my family has been through so much, and I believe you want to give me a double portion. When you stand in a place and say, God, my marriage, I love what Sarah called out earlier this morning. Areas of breakthrough in our families, and our marriages, and our finances. And you stand in a place and say, God, you want more than this for me. And you call out double. And you say, God, my connection to you as my father opens up extravagant. Not barely getting by. That doesn't mean the process will be easy, right? That doesn't mean life gets really simple and easy. But I believe that so many of us settle, settle for what was good enough before because we, we're too afraid to believe for more. But I'm telling you, Scripture is clear. You have permission to ask for it. You have permission to ask for your inheritance as God's child, as God's son or daughter in this place today. And it doesn't take jumping through a lot of hoops to become God's father, or sorry, to become, to become God's child. Just believe in Jesus, his son. Galatians 4, I just read, it says, since you are his child, God's made you his heir. The Bible speaks of us being co-heirs in Christ to receive our inheritance. An inheritance only belongs to you. It can't be given to anybody else. And we need to get into a confident place where we are comfortable asking for our inheritance. <laughs> and we ask for more, we're finally acting like confident children. And that's what I want. That's my heart for this church, that you act like confident children of God. I believe we've got permission and not just permission, God's joy is in it for us to ask and prepare for more. Listen to me. I believe we're going to step into double the people, double the services, double the baptisms. I'm believing for 50 baptisms in 2020. Double the kids downstairs. All the kids volunteers are like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. All the parents too, they're like, yeah, I'm good with the ones I got. Double the outpouring of his spirit, double the miracles, double the anointing, double the power, double the presence. Come on, I believe for double in 2020. And it's not just a cutesy thing. I believe it's something God downloaded to our hearts. And even if it wasn't, I believe it's something we could confidently as children ask for. And he'll say, I love it when my children step out in faith and take a risk and ask me for something they think is on my heart already. I believe that. I really believe that. So we're going to ask God for double. Because I believe, and this is my last point today, that Jesus wants double. In Matthew 25, I want to read to you a portion of scripture having to do with the parable of a few servants. Some of your Bibles say the parable of the talents. 
And just to catch you up, we're going to jump into Matthew 25, verse 16. But prior to this, Jesus explains there was a master. He's telling a story. There was a master who had three servants. And to one, he gave five bags of silver. To another, he gave two bags of silver. To another, he gave one bag of silver. And he entrusted into them something valuable. And then they went and they, they did things with it. In verse 16, it says, The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Five plus five is? And ten is double. <laughs> yes. i got to get better at my, my question response thing. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more, which is? Come on. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money, and everybody said, boo. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they'd used his money. You know how it went. The five came to him and said, you gave me five, and I earned five more. Here it is, double. The servant with two said, you gave me two, and I earned two more. Here it is, back to you, double. And then, <clears throat> The master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag, boo, came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, investing crops where you didn't plant, gathering crops where you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back just as you gave it to me. Master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? Then I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags. Those who use it well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have it in, the, in abundance. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus took an opportunity, and worship team, you can come and get ready on the stage as we get ready to close. Jesus used this opportunity to tell a story to say, my heart for you is a heart of increase. My heart for you is a heart of faithfulness, and if you are faithful with the things I give you now, then I will give you more. And it's my heart, it's your pastor's heart, it's the leadership of this church's heart to not let our own stewardship and lack of faithfulness be the reason why God can't expand and do more here in this area. And you might be thinking, little old Brockport, well, it was little old Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And if God can show up in Bethlehem and turn the entire world upside down, how many of you know God can show up in Brockport and turn Rochester upside down and turn this northeast region of the United States upside down, begin to do something? If there's a small seed in your heart this morning of faith, that seed can grow into a mighty oak tree and produce something we never imagined possible. So we're going to step into double this season. Would you like to know practically now how we're going to do some of that? We're excited about Easter. We're real excited about Easter here at Christ Community Church because we believe Easter is an opportunity to begin to believe God for double, and it's only six weeks away. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to say, God, we're stepping out in faith. Even if we don't feel ready in some ways, even if we don't feel prepared in all the ways we should be, we're going to step out in faith. We're going to work our tails off to be good stewards of what you've given us here. And we're going to see you take this momentum of what you're doing in our church and turn it into double. 
So this Easter 2020, we're going to have two worship experiences here on Sunday morning. to that. We're going to do a 9 a.m. and a 10.45. The first service is going to be a one-hour service, 9 to 10, because we've got to turn our parking lot around. And in the same way that I've been asking you to get excited about giving up your seat, even if it's your favorite sit, or sit, favorite seat to sit in on Sunday, that you get excited about that seat being opened up for somebody else who isn't here yet. I want you to get excited about opening up your parking spot for someone who's about to pull in, who's going to hear the gospel. We are going to preach the gospel with all the passion and fire that we can on Easter. And we're going to say, come know, come experience and encounter this Jesus. So we're going to have an hour long, 9 a.m. Then we're going to have a 1045. That'll be a little, it's a little longer. We're going to have kids ministry at both services. That's a little different because even in the past when we had two services, we only had kids at one. But what we're going to do is kids experiences at both because we're going to believe that every service is going to be filled with new families. They're going to come in here and hear the gospel. Amen. For our volunteer teams, you might be wondering if you serve here at, at Christ Community Church. What does that look like for me? Our, our go-to gold standard is we'd love for you to serve one and attend one. Okay, so that means you get to come and give during one and then go upstairs or, or come into the sanctuary and receive in another service sound good? All right, yeah, some good applause here. But listen to me, this is the most important part of my whole proposal. Is we've got a goal. We want to see a hundred new people in this room on Easter Sunday. Now that involves you. Listen to me. We could get on social media. We could get in the newspaper. We could get on a billboard. We could get a TV spot. And we could do all that. The most powerful the most significant, the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The way that produces the most out of, uh, how am I trying to say this? Someone has a way higher statistical chance of coming to church if someone they know looks them in the eye and says, God's doing something and I want you to come to church with me. Come sit right next to me on Sunday. Then if they see it cold somewhere else and they see a picture on a billboard or, or whatever else. Man, even that doesn't do it justice. What I'm trying to say this morning is you could be someone's someone. You could be the invitation they're waiting for where they might come in and forever in the future look back on Easter 2020, April 12th, as the day when they left the old behind and stepped into more. You could be the reason why someone steps into a place of breakthrough that they never thought possible just by a simple invite to say, come with me on Easter. Listen, your friends, the people you're terrified to tell about church, they are more open than ever around Easter to come and visit a church. So I'm telling you, play dirty, bribe them with whatever you got to give them. Get them here in this room and let Jesus do the rest, amen? Get them here in this place and let Jesus do the rest in their lives. To take people from hopeless to filled with hope. To take people from broken and lonely to having a, a feeling, a, a healing of belonging in their lives. You could be a part of that this Easter. Stand with me this morning. Are you ready to step into double? Are you ready to step in? If there was a time for you to get excited and start clapping, now is the time.